Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to La Liga Lowdown. It's been another action-packed match day in the Spanish top flight. And I'm joined by Sam Leverage to discuss all of it. How are you, Sam? I'm good, thanks, Matt. Just a bit cold, having got in from Hitafe, but, but I'm all right. How are you? Well, you're in Madrid and I'm in the UK, so you can uh, keep the temperatures to yourself, really. Um, <laughs> hold my beer on that one. Uh, but yeah, it's high liga. Real Madrid have lost. Atletico Madrid have beaten Barcelona. And... Uh, it's really tight at the top of the table, isn't it? How how exciting should we feel about this this season? Yeah, no, I mean, it feels like there's a real title race. I mean, at the moment, it seems every week or two it is a totally different favourite. I mean, two weeks ago, it was Real Madrid are odds-on favourites. Now it's Atletico Madrid are favourites in two weeks' time. Who knows? Maybe Real Sociedad, maybe Sevilla come into the mix. And, and really, it's... It's a strange scenario because for the first time Barcelona aren't really in that conversation, but there's loads of different candidates all making their case and, and it seems like we are going to have quite a wide open title race this season. Absolutely, and and more the better. We've had uh, plenty of drama, we'll get to all of it, don't worry about that. We've got some uh, in-depth chat on the game at the Wanda Metropolitano from Saturday night and we'll have reaction from Espanyol fan Jeff Gillingham after their shock win over the uh, favourites, as you say, for the league, Real Madrid. But that's all to come, so stay tuned. We've got a few managers under pressure as well. We'll, we'll deal with that in due course too. But uh, let's start at the Wanda Metropolitano. So we're here now with Roman D'Arquer. Last week it was a fantastic story for Barca with Ansu Fati back, but this week has been a lot tougher with the defeat in the Champions League to Benfica and then this, uh, this defeat at the Wanda Metropolitano. 
Roman, how do you reflect on a tough week for your club? Well, I mean, seeing how things have started this season for Barcelona, I think it's something we could expect. Uh, maybe not in this manner, especially that game against Benfica, which was an absolute thrashing, and I think Barca should have done much more. Uh, but then against Atletico, I guess we could kind of expect them to win because they definitely have the better team, the better squad, the better manager. You know, Overall, they look like a much more solid side and they've come from winning La Liga last season, so they're expected to, to do it again. And Barcelona you know, are just in this phase where not even the president knows what he wants, I think, because, I mean, one day they're talking about firing the manager, the next day they're saying he's going to continue. Uh, the players themselves seem a bit lost in the field. In terms of tactics, there isn't much. There doesn't seem to be much work uh, put into into this team. So I mean, it hasn't been a good week at all, and it feels like this could be going on for a while, to be honest. Yeah, it was some strange comments from Laporta on the sort of lunchtime before the game. He was saying that whatever the result, Ronald Koeman will continue on the bench, and going into the international break, the timing seemed very strange to me because. You know, if you are going to make the change, now seems the ideal time to consolidate and really try and pick your, your successor. But uh, yeah, it was, what did you think of those comments? Yeah, I mean, I, I was as surprised as you are, and I think as, as 80 or 90% of the Barca fan base was because uh, during the last few weeks, there's been a persistent um, information coming from the press saying that uh, they wanted Kuman out, that his, his job was going to be over sooner or later at Barca, uh, that the international break would be the great moment, as you mentioned, you know, for the, for this uh, change to take place. And there seemed the three guys uh, in front to take over his position with Xavi, um, Robert Martinez, and of course Pirlo, which is a strange one to be honest, but he was there among all the names. And it felt like it, it was going to be done sooner or later, but now out of nowhere comes Laporta saying that, you know, he wants uh, Kuman to continue no matter what. And my feeling is that this is for two reasons. One, that uh, there's no money, of course, uh, available, and Barca just really are broke and they can't afford to pay uh, Kuman. And the other one is that uh, Laporta might want to keep his scapegoat in case the season goes really bad and he can kind of put the blame on Kuman and say that uh, it was a, a coach that another president selected. It didn't have to do with him and that, I mean, he had no room uh, for, for maneuvering in this situation. So, I mean, it feels like uh, Laporta has his interests or his reasons behind uh, this decision. Mm. Well, interesting comments and another defeat for Barca. Sam, over to you now. You were there at the Wanda. It was a fantastic atmosphere. It was full again for the first time in over 18 months. First of all, how do you reflect on Adetti's win and, and how comfortable did it seem? Yeah, I mean, the atmosphere was, was fantastic. It was strange almost to be back in a 60,000 capacity crowd at the Wanda Metropolitano. And I think that really gave Atleti a boost and, and helped them to be a bit more intense in, in their press and that kind of thing. And yeah, I mean, they were they were fantastic in that first half, especially. I mean, they let Barcelona have the ball like they always do. But then they were so clinical on the counter. I mean, so much energy, so much pace, so dynamic and... I mean, we saw just the kind of the little bits of magic from from João Felix and and Thomas Lamar was brilliant with his movement as well, and in the end, that was what led to to the goals. I mean, fantastic. I mean, Ronaldo Araujo is a is a very capable defender, but João Felix had him looking like a Sunday League defender almost. He was just turning him inside out time and time again, and and I think that was very Atleti. That the first half was all about the the intensity, the the excitement, and then the second half they could take their foot off the gas a little bit. They were a bit more tired and they stepped stepped back a bit and just kind of saw the game out and it was some good game management from Atletico. Mm. 
And the two goals in particular, and, and also the chance that uh, Luis Suarez had, it seemed to be coming from the same part of the pitch, that kind of right side of the fence. Uh, do you think that was deliberately exploited, or do you think that's just how it came about? Yeah, I mean, I think the the right-hand side of, of Barcelona's offence was always a little bit of a weak spot. I mean, with, with Gavi on, on the offensive side, I mean, he didn't do his defensive duties quite as much, and... And obviously with Sergio Des playing on the left rather than the right as usual. I mean, that was kind of where Aleti knew they could try and get down there and attack a little bit more. And, and obviously with Yannick Carrasco as the left wing back, it meant there was a bit more pace and support. Whereas on the right, I mean, Marco Llorente was doing it all on his own almost at times. So so the left is kind of oh, an area that Aleti tend to go down if Kieran Trippier isn't playing. So maybe not a, a surprise to see that. But I definitely think they were looking to, to target some of those those moves down there as well. Mm, definitely. And we must have a word for Luis Suarez, El Pistolero. He didn't score against Barca last season, but uh, you had the feeling that he would in this game, and so it proved. A goal and an assist. He didn't celebrate, he asked for forgiveness, but uh, he did have a cheeky uh, little phone call celebration afterwards. Uh, how, how do you see that situation? Yeah, well, I mean, it was quite funny seeing Luis Suarez after the game saying that it wasn't directed at Koeman, that it was just to let people know he was still on the same phone number despite the fact he changed his phone, which I don't think anyone believes. Um, but it was kind of typical that Luis Suarez would pop up with a goal and you almost feel like he deserved it after everything that he's been through. And and he's still going strong now. I mean, he wasn't Ronald Koeman wasn't the only one to say that he was past it and, and not elite level anymore when he left Barcelona. Plenty of fans were as well. And he's proven himself at Atletico. And I mean, that finish was was a great finish. And he really kind of gave Gerard Pique a a tough time on Saturday night as well. So I think it was a good moment and a moment he's deserved for all he's done in the last year, 18 months since since he left Barcelona. Yeah, he's in a bit of form after that winning penalty away from home in the Champions League. He backed it up with that goal and assist in this game. Roman, final question to you then. Um, We spoke about Ronald Koeman and his kind of judgments on players just there. He also made some comments after the game about uh, it was Nico and his positioning for the goals. Uh, do you think it was right that he singled out a young midfielder who's just making his very first few starts, or do you think it was a bit harsh? I do think it's uh, slightly harsh, and I feel it's kind of the, the tonic he's taken uh, during the last maybe month or so, where he seems to be playing, uh, blaming sorry, the players a lot for what's happening. He doesn't usually... Uh, specifically mention someone but in this case he did and I think that was just going a bit too far and always saying that the players you know are maybe the squad is not as good as he hoped a lot of players are injured some players are not performing well enough you know that kind of thing just feels like he might lose uh, the support from from the dressing room at some point but I mean at the moment he's still there and he's still coaching the team and I think uh, that he does have experience, of course, uh, bringing up youngsters. He, I guess he knows what it's doing, but from outside it does feel like pointing out Nico uh, is a bit harsh, unless it's some sort of uh, motivational speech he's, he's been practicing, but I don't think it's the case. Mm. Yeah, the, from the neutral perspective, it does appear to be a few more excuses being put out by Koeman. Well, thanks very much for joining us, Roman. Um, we look forward to hearing from you again soon. Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure as always. So that was Roman's take on a difficult week for Barca. But as for Atleti, they've had the polar opposite, that comeback win in Milan and then another comfortable victory over Barcelona. Uh, Diego Simeone had never beaten Barca until last season. He did it last season, of course, with that, uh, that 1-0 win. And he's done it again with the 2-0 win. 
On our website, you can find our latest blog piece from Alex Brotherton looking at João Felix and how it, this season is now or never for him. And he certainly started to deliver on Saturday night, didn't he, Sam? Yeah, I mean, kind of touched on it before, but it was very interesting after the game. I mean, Thomas Lamar was singing his praises in, in the pre-match interview, the post-match interview, sorry, and Luis Suarez as well. But the most interesting thing for me after the game was was to hear Diego Simeone, who said that he went up to Jao at half-time and said, that's what you need to do. And this is very much what Atletico have been trying to get out of Jao Felix. I mean, he's been... He's had moments of brilliance and he's always kind of struggled to, to become consistent with that. And last season, he had a really bad ankle injury, which didn't help. But I think if he can produce performances like he did, especially in the first half against Barcelona on a regular basis, then there's no reason why he wouldn't be one of the best players in La Liga. And and that's what Atletico are crying out for an attack, to, to have that bit of that spark, that, that dribbler, that that man who can create something out of nothing and, and that's what João Felix can be for Diego Simeone. Absolutely. He also said that no one has seen the best of him yet. So it's a kind of warning to the rest of the league that the best is still yet to come. Thanks very much for that, Sam. Let's just have a quick rundown then on the results from this weekend. The weekend began at San Mamez with Athletic beating Alaves by one goal to nil. Iñaki Williams breaking that record with his 203rd consecutive La Liga appearance. Raul Garcia on the score sheet here. Then on Saturday, Osasuna beat Raya with a 91st minute winner from Manu Sanchez. Mallorca beat Levante by the same scoreline. Levante missed another late penalty as they still struggle at the bottom of the table. In Cadiz, it was goalless between them and Valencia. And then we had that partidazo at the Wanda Metropolitano Atleti 2, Barca 0. On Sunday, Elche beat Celta by one goal to nil to cap off Franes Gribar's 150th game in charge of the club. We then had that win for Espanyol against Real Madrid, 2-1 the scoreline there. Hitafe Real Sociedad finished 1-1, Hitafe with their first point of the season, but it might not be enough for Michel. At the same time, Villarreal beat Betis by two goals to nil in a clash of two European contenders. And then to round off the weekend, Robert Moreno's Granada got their first win of the season with a 1-0 victory over Sevilla in a feisty encounter at Nuevo Las Carmenes. Coming up after the break, we'll go in-depth on Espanyol's win over Real Madrid and we'll look at the best of the rest of the action and look at some of those teams who are struggling at the bottom of the table as we head into the international break. Stay tuned. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown. Still to come, we've got chat on Espanol Real Madrid and the best of the rest of the action, as well as our moments of the week and MVP. So stay tuned all the way to the end to find out who we've gone for this time. Now, one of the shocks of the round has to be in Cornea. Espanol, newly promoted side, took on Real Madrid and uh, they took the lead in the first half with Raul de Tomas, just like they did against Atletico de Madrid, in fact. Atleti came from behind to win that game, but no such luck for Los Blancos. They went down 2-1 at the RCDE Stadium. And Sam Leverage caught up with Jeff Gillingham to hear all about it. Pero amigos míos, cuando asoma es para tocarla, Raúl de Tomás, a pura línea de fondo, viene de primera en barba pura línea de fondo. So I'm joined here by Jeff Gillingham, who's a very big Espanol fan. Jeff, what was that game like for you? Nail-biting or did you enjoy it? Well, the first half was maybe the best performance I've seen from us in... I'd say three years or so. Wow, like, big state. Yeah, I, I, it's been quite a while. Um, obviously, the second half, yeah, there was a lot of nail-biting going on. And, yeah, there was just a sort of sense that this is Real Madrid. They're going to find a way. But, luckily, we held on. We got a bit lucky with a couple of the offside goals. But then, at the same time, we could have scored more as well. So, yeah, I think a great, well, great, afternoon and yeah yeah I mean Raul de Tomas scoring against his former club as well I mean how good has Raul de Tomas been since since he joined you in Espanol I mean especially in Segunda yeah that's the thing I mean like he gave us hope that we could have actually stayed up when he first joined and then last season he was really good he was just so much better than everyone else and then this year in my head, it's like he's got six goals because he's obviously had three ruled out for offside. So I feel quite bad for him that he's only on three. But yeah, he scored against Atleti, he scored against Real Madrid. He's a man for the big occasion. So yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't put him into the Gerard Moreno category in terms of how much I love him. But he's not far off. <laughs> no, I mean that is a nice company to have in for a Spanish striker. <laughs> I mean, we spoke before the season, our pre-season preview podcast, and, and you mentioned then that what was so good about Espanyol was just the attack, but not just 
RDT, but also Adelian Barber, who who had another great game. I mean, what did you make of his performance against Real Madrid? Yeah, it was really nice because the last few weeks he's actually not been as good as he had been before because ever since the game against Mallorca when he didn't shake the hand of Vicente Moreno, he had like a slight dip in form. But today, sort of playing on that left side but then shifting over to the right at times, he just, yeah, he just tore Real Madrid apart really. Uh, I think he's so, so good uh, when he's firing and on form. But for some reason, Luis Enrique doesn't want to look at Espanyol when it comes to the national team. I mean, yeah. you can say the same about RDT as well. Um, but yeah, so no, Barber I think... be in your Spanish squad? I mean, I think he's an, he's an option, at least. I mean, maybe he's not... You wouldn't write him in pen, but... Yeah, I think he he's there or thereabouts. Uh yeah, maybe RDT's ahead of Sergio Roberto as the third choice yeah. three back up. <laughs> but yeah, no, so I think Mbaba he I mean I, I'm just waiting for Poado to come back from injury as well. Because when we have Javi Poado, Mbaba and um RDT all back together, then yeah, I think the sky is the limit really. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, after the last week or so, I mean, obviously Real Madrid had that shock defeat to Xavi Tiraspol in, in midweek. I mean, did you have any hope of of an upset again here today or were you expecting, kind of, fearing the the revenge of Real Madrid with a point to prove after that game in midweek? Yeah, well, I thought, especially added to the Barca collapse in the last week or so, I thought, yeah, Real Madrid are just going to come out here and obliterate us. <laughs> basically. Um, I didn't really have too much hope. It's not like we've played fantastically uh, so far this season, but this was definitely our best performance so far. And yeah, I think I probably realised within the first five minutes that Real Madrid were not up for this game as much as I thought they would be. Because I thought, yeah, they'll come out with a point to prove. But we just seemed a lot hungrier and we just showed a lot more desire and I think ultimately that the first half we were just all over them like we could have gone into the break 3-0 up say but yeah <laughs> and I mean you touched on it there Jeff I mean what have you made of Espanyol's start to the season I mean it's kind of been nothing spectacular kind of a couple of wins a couple of draws a couple of defeats mid-table yeah. 13th as we speak now I mean what have you made of that start? I think it's been okay. I mean, obviously I'd like to have a few more points on the board, but we, we've we gone from being a team that dominated matches last year that to a team that is a bit more defensive-minded this year and looks to try and get teams on the counter more. Um, I mean, if those RDT goals I said about the three offside ones had counted, then... Well, we would have beaten Alaves more convincingly and the severe game where Jules Conde conveniently isn't in the VAR screen, but that's that's another <laughs> that's another issue. Sounds like you're um, doing a whole rant about that. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, so that would have been at one one in the game, so it might you never know. <laughs> um but yeah, I, I don't know. I think obviously it's still quite early, so there's still a long way to go. But 
I don't know. I've, I, I just feel okay with it. I don't feel overly happy or sad. I'm just somewhere in the middle. <laughs> Which well, is anybody... where Spanuel will probably end up, somewhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah, and anyone who can say that they don't feel overly happy or sad after beating Real Madrid isn't, <laughs> isn't a bad place to be in October, is it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> great. Thank you very much for, for joining us, Jeff. Yeah, cheers, Sam. So let's hand back over to Matt to, to take a look at the rest of the action. Thank you very much, Jeff, for your insight there. Always great to have you on the podcast. So now let's look at the best of the rest of the action in La Liga this weekend. And Villarreal uh, got over their disappointment from Old Trafford with a 2-0 win over Betis. Uh, Arnaut Danjuma with a brace, his first in the Spanish top flight. And what a signing he's proved to be. Um, of course, there's lots of connections in this game. Uh, Unai Emery against his old rivals Betis. Pellegrini, of course, a Villarreal cult hero for his time there. And it was Emery that got the better of him on this occasion. Um, what do you make of, of that result? Yeah, it seems like a very tactical battle. And I mean, these are two expert managers. I mean, two veterans who really know how La Liga works and, and how to try and get one over the each other. But I mean, this is almost kind of a battle to see which team is going to put the pressure on Sevilla or, or Barcelona for fourth place in that top four this season. I think both of them are very strong candidates. I think here we've just seen a little bit more of that depth come in to, to help Villarreal. I mean, obviously they were in action at Old Trafford in midweek and very last-minute winner for Manchester United must have been hard to take, but they bounced back in superb form here. And, I mean, it's all about that squad depth. I mean, Betis were in action, obviously, on Thursday night in the Europa League as well. And I think Villarreal just have that bit more depth that they were able to make a few more changes, keep the legs a bit fresher to be able to kind of get this convincing when I think they took their chances very well as well I mean that's what we all know that Betis are kind of missing is that prolific deadly goal scorer and I think with Villarreal I mean it would usually be Gerard Moreno but they do have other players in the squad and who can kind of step up on and take up that role and Dan Juma's kind of been a, almost a revelation since he came in in the summer from Bournemouth so it was it was fantastic to see him take his chances and, and get himself on the score sheet like he did. Yeah, not often you can say, with all due respect to Bournemouth, that a Bournemouth player will come and, and be the signing of the season so far, but that is probably what most would say. Um, you're absolutely right. I think it was a key time to score just before half-time to get that lead uh, to kind of quell any nerves they may have had after that, that last-minute defeat at Old Trafford. And you're right, they, their depth is there. But as you say, with, without a recognised striker today, it was Dan Juma that kind of really stepped up to the mark. And with the likes of Jeremy in the side too, continues to improve, he's, he's uh, such a great player. And with Pareco back in the field, and a cameo for Vicente Ibora. Great to see him back after his long-term injury. So that's another, another big tick for Villarreal fans. Let's see if they can continue this form after the break. Of course, they've got some work to do in the Champions League. Um, games will continue to come thick and fast for Betis too, but they're in good shape in Europe. Um, so yeah, both teams looking to kind of kick on and continue with a Pretty solid start to the season for both sides, I'd say. So on Friday night, we started the match day at San Mames. It was uh, it was Iñaki day, wasn't it, really? His 203rd consecutive La Liga match, breaking the record in his own right now. He's uh, He didn't quite mark it with a goal, but Athletic got the win. Raul Garcia, uh, he'd missed a penalty in the first half, but he did make up for it with the winning goal. And Alaves couldn't quite back up their win over Atleti with a win over Athletic. What did you make of, uh, of this game, Sam? Yeah, it was kind of a war of attrition with with both sides kind of 
sticking to the very physical aspects of the game and and there weren't too many chances for either side. I mean, in total, I think Athletic were kind of the, the better team, deserved the win. And obviously that missed penalty from Al early on and it could have been a very different game if that had gone in within the first 10 minutes. But, I mean, Alaves never looked likely to, to come back and steal a draw or a win from this one. So it's quite comfortable for Athletic. But, I mean, just touching back on what you said about Iñaki, I mean, it's such a magnificent achievement. I mean, this record has stood for 41 years and... And to play consecutive games in La Liga when he's also had some European commitments in the past. He's had some Copa del Rey commitments and things as well. I mean, it's incredible to achieve that in the modern era and especially over the last two years with the, the COVID schedules and seasons jam-packed into to one or two less months than they would usually have. So you really have to kind of take your hat off to, to Iñaki and, and it was a shame he couldn't get on the score sheet to celebrate. It was, it was. And of course, being... Being the player that he is, with those kind of using that pace and, and sprinting a lot of the, of the time, the fact that he hasn't had any kind of muscle injuries is a real testament to, to him looking after his body and the fitness coaches at Athletic. So, yeah, congratulations to Inyaki. Long may it continue. He said he wasn't going to stop until he reaches 300, so let's hope we can celebrate that soon. We've also had some more um, results this weekend, some intriguing ones, some narrow games. We had a, a 0-0 draw between Cadiz and Valencia and those 1-0 wins for Osasuna, Mallorca and Elche. Uh, first of all, let's touch on a couple of uh, slightly negative things here. Um, there were a few whistles uh, for various reasons for a couple of players. Firstly, uh, Mukhtar Diakabi at Cadiz. He came on for Valencia in the second half, and I'm sure you'll all remember there was that racist incident last season in this fixture where Valencia walked off the pitch only to kind of uh, come back on and complete the game. There was a lot of kind of uh, contentious... Uh, discussions between the players and the staff. In the end, La Liga found no no action against Juan Cala, so the case was closed. But on his return here, he was whistled by some of the Cali fans, which isn't great to see. The other incident was uh, Jimmy Avila, the uh, Osasuna cult hero. He was whistled because he uh, was wearing a, a far-right T-shirt. Is that right, Sam? Yeah, Jimmy Avila is a, is a strange one. He was pictured wearing a a shirt with the uh, with a phrase a saying and a picture of of Santiago Santiago Abascal who's the leader of Spain's far right political party um Osasuna if you don't know is kind of a very left wing club in nature i mean it was founded by by people who just kind of escaped other cities and who ended up eventually being killed um in the civil war in Spain by by the far right as they kind of took over and started dictatorship under Franco. Um, and so Osasuna are very kind of stuck in their ways, a lot of their fans, in terms of the the political thing, a bit like Rayo Vallecano, and they're very strong political groups. And so for one of their players to come out wearing a, a T-shirt, donning the phrase of, of a man who's spoken in favour of Franco, in favour of things that happened in the Civil War, was an insult which was very badly taken by some fans, and they didn't hide that when Chimmy was on the pitch at the weekend. I mean, Chimmy came out later on and, and apologised and said that he's not into politics. He didn't realise the meaning behind it all. He just liked the quote, which was a very generic quote, kind of about, um, I think it was that fear is a reaction and bravery is a value. And so I think that was quite a, a generic quote, not a too political, but you can see why why some people were were enraged by, by Chimmy wearing that T-shirt. Yeah, not an ideal situation, but hopefully um, 
he's uh, as you say he's apologized and hopefully they can move on from that because he's a fantastic player and, and we want to see him succeed at Osasuna. Uh, so turning to the football then we had those those home wins for Mallorca, Osasuna and Elche. Anything to take out from those games? What impressed you? What uh, what stood out? Yeah, well, I think all of them were, were pretty tough games. And, I mean, we saw how much was at stake in that Mallorca win over Levante. I mean, really heated scenes in the tunnel at halftime. I mean, Pablo Mafeo reportedly said to, to Levante coach Paco Lopez that he only had two days left in the job. And so, I mean, that's kind of... The tension showed just how much at stake for some of these teams. But, I mean, they were big wins and very much needed wins for, for all of these teams. I mean, Elche kind of grinding out result after result without ever being too impressive but they keep picking up the points and that's what they really need to do and that's what Fran Escriber is an expert at. Mallorca again they kind of really needed that especially after the heavy defeat to Real Madrid not so long ago they've kind of needed a confidence boost and that should give them that and then Osasuna Rayo kind of the two late drama experts I mean they've both been involved in in plenty of late drama and I mean I think Rayo have picked up four points from from goals in injury time and Osasuna have picked up was it seven points now from goals in injury time so I mean you can never switch off if you're watching either Osasuna or Rayo Vallecano so if anybody switched off before Manu Sanchez's 92nd minute winner then more for you. Absolutely and there's been so many late goals in La Liga this season I know you've got a, an on-running thread on Twitter documenting all the late goals scored and what they mean for the game. So check that one out, viewers, if you haven't already. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's remarkable to see so many late goals. We we've spoke a few weeks ago about the reason why there's so much added time, and that seems to be continuing. So at least that's consistent. And I guess the more that happens, the more we'll see goals after 90 minutes. Yeah, depends on the match, though. At Taffy today, we were in the crowd chatting, saying, oh, I reckon there'll be six, I reckon there'll be seven, and then it came up on the board with three. So <laughs> with some La Liga referees, you never know. Oh, well, best not to get down that avenue. So let's turn our attention now to a couple of the struggling sides going into this weekend. And we had uh, some contrasting results, really. We had Granada picking up their first win of the season. Etafe, they got off the mark too, but... They couldn't hold on for all three points, could they, Sam? You were at the Coliseum Alfonso Perez. So what did you make of Hetafe's afternoon? Yeah, I mean, for Hetafe, it was it was a strange game. I mean, it was one where Real Sociedad knew that if they won, they could go top. And it was a game where really a point didn't do the trick for either side. Both sides kind of deserved the win, but not really. I mean, the draw was probably the fair result at the end of the day, but... Neither team really got to their best. I mean, Hitafe looked a bit more reliable, a bit more solid, a bit more organised than they have done in some of their other recent games. But Real Sociedad never really quite got going. So, I mean, we compared it to that Granada and Sevilla game, but I think there was a big difference. I mean, in the Granada-Sevilla game, the XG had Sevilla at 1.38 and Granada at 0.09. So, I mean, there's a, a big difference there. And you could say Sevilla, or, or nine times out of ten, come away with the three points. But the Hetafe Real Sociedad game, I think maybe four or five times out of ten, Hetafe come away with three points rather than Real Sociedad. So, I mean, it was a very even game for Hetafe and, and Granada. It was kind of game management to a tee. And, and obviously the first win for Robert Moreno when he's under pressure is is a big result. And, and Andalusian derby as well. Yeah, and it did get very spicy towards the end. Now, you mentioned 
That's what they'd have missing the chance to go top. Sevilla therefore had a chance to go level on points with Atleti and Real Madrid. But of course, defeat here means they go into the international break three points adrift. And uh, yeah, as you say, very feisty towards the end. Diego Carlos was sent off. Lucas Acampos was getting involved with Herman Sanchez too. And uh, Marcos Acuna was booked. He uh, lobbed the ball back in the direction of the Granada bench. So it was all kicking off. But as you say, uh, Granada, they went ahead with that fabulous uh, Rochinazzo goal from Ruben Rochina. And yeah, they just defended like they used to defend under Diego Martinez, to be quite honest. It was a very old school Granada performance. And uh, they really needed it because, as you say, Sevilla uh, were, were giving it everything to try and get back in the game. And they had some chances. Uh, Maximiano in goal. He's proved to be a very able replacement for Rui Silva. And, uh, and yeah, they've lost so many points late on. You think of the camp now, you think of the Sociedad game at home. They've lost points by conceding late goals. And you just wondered, would Sevilla just get one in the dying, dying moments? But no, they held on. And as you say, a massively important result for Robert Moreno. Because the fans there are clearly not happy with the start of the season. And uh, yeah, he was under pressure. So um, in terms of coaches under pressure, we've spoken about Koeman, obviously, at Barca. And in terms of the teams at the bottom, who do you think is most likely to pull the trigger in this international break? Well, as we've been recording, Paco Lopez has been sacked by Levante, which, which was a big surprise to me. I wasn't expecting that one. I mean, he's been there for a long time. He's done a really fantastic job to get a, a talented squad now that they've kind of built over the years. And they've been over achieving for me in the last few years so I mean yeah it's a poor start but I am surprised that that Levante have made it, that decision so early on I mean we've heard Paco Pollitt speak before about the relationship between the the club's board and and Paco Lopez and he's a great guy I mean done a fantastic job with Levante so yeah maybe now is the right time to move on but I'm surprised they made the decision so early I guess the next one to to look at is Michel at Hedafe eight games one point, seven defeats. I mean, it's not a great record. Paco Lopez is out of a job with a better record. Um, I think he'll be okay though. He does have the backing of Angel Torres, uh, the club's president, who who has spoken out publicly saying that he's with Michel and and he's not planning to make a managerial change anytime soon. Um, then Robert Moreno has probably bought himself some time with this win. Javi Calleja has bought himself some time with the win over Atletico Madrid as well. So I don't think we'll see too many changes in the very near future, at least at the bottom of the league, over the international break. But I think those next few games after that could be decisive. I mean, there's some big fixtures just after the international break for these sides who are trying to avoid a relegation scrap. And I mean, you just have to look at, at the games that are coming up. But Levante Etafe is a big game for whoever comes in for Paco Lopez and also for Michel. Um, Alaves also have some, some winnable fixtures. Cadiz and Elche are two of their first games after the international break. So, I mean, there's going to be some mounting pressure. I mean, Granada too. I mean, I think they play Osasuna and then Etafe not long after. So, I mean, there's going to be pressure on, on these coaches. I mean, they need to start picking up the wins and climbing up the table. And if they don't start doing that, then their jobs could be on the line. Yeah, busy Marega round. It's it's going to be an interesting few weeks when we resume once again. The games keep coming thick and fast, and we'll cover all of those here at La Liga Lowdown, of course. So now let's turn our attention to MVP. And once again, there was a standout few candidates. You can vote in the poll on Twitter 
on Monday. Make sure you check that out. Uh, so Sam, who are your candidates this week? My first pick uh, is from the headline tie of the game of the weekend, Atletico Madrid versus Barcelona. I mean, we spoke and sung the praises of Jao Felix earlier, but for me, the real man of the match was Thomas Lamar. He got a goal and an assist, and he was all over the place. I mean, he was covering every blade of grass. I mean, it always made me think back to, to Thomas Lamar, maybe two years ago when Diego Simeone was having to come out and say, no, he's a good player, I believe in him. And everybody had pretty much written him off. But I think this was the performance where he really took a game by the scruff of its neck and, and was the leader in the Atletico team. And we've seen some very strong performances from him before, but I don't think we've seen him really lead the side. I think against Barcelona, he did that. I mean, Jao was providing the the glamorous touches and and the extra sparkle. But I think for me, Thomas Lamar was the guy who was pulling Barcelona all over the place and really dominating that final third and making it his own. And I think that was the performance from Thomas Lamar that Diego Simeone was hoping for. And he was out injured until this week as well. So, I mean to produce such a big performance in such a big game in such difficult circumstances. For me, that makes Thomas Lamar the, the MVP of the week. Yeah, good shout, good shout. His absence certainly coincided with Aleti's struggles in attack. So that's a worthy option. I'm going to throw in Adrien Barba. I know we've heard from Jeff how good he was, so we don't need to say too much more, but what a pair he is with Raul de Tomas from their Rio days, now together at Espanyol. They were a formidable pair in the Segunda as well in their push for promotion. And it looks like that's continuing in La Liga this season. So for me, he's got to be in there. Who's your other pick? My other pick is going to be Ruben Rochina. Uh, you mentioned before uh, Rochinato, a brilliant goal. It had 0.07 xG, so <laughs> slim chances of finding the net from there. But it was a fantastic finish. And for me, I mean, that finish alone almost would be enough to, to kind of warrant his place in there. I mean, it was such an important goal. We just touched on it as well with with Robert Moreno and the pressure that he's under. I mean, really needed a goal like that and, and an important time in the game as well. But I thought Rochina was pretty good and throughout the game. I mean, flashbacks to, to his time at Levante when he was kind of at the peak of his powers almost. But he kind of got stuck in defensively. I mean, plenty of ball recoveries and was pressing high and very disciplined in his positioning. I think for me, it was kind of a complete performance from him topped off by that goal, which is as important as any that he's going to score this season or any season. Yeah, a real fan favourite. Really got the fans and Nuevo Las Carmenes off their seats. Speaking of players to excite the fans this season, I'm going to go for Arnaut Dan Danjuma. What a start he's had at Villarreal. He assisted in midweek in the Champions League. He's already scored three this season. And then today, a brace against Betis. He's just so composed. And without a forward, uh, a recognised forward, as we said, for Villarreal, he led that attack in, in every sense, really. And for a new signing to come in to a new country and deliver like he has so quickly, I think it's testament to, to him and also to the environment in which He's playing. I think it's just a very harmonious situation. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm here for the Danju magic. Danju magic. I think you need to trademark that already, Matt. Oh, I think uh, I think our man Louis Scattergood has already done that. Well, that's, uh, that's four strong contenders for MVP. As we say, you can vote for those on our Monday poll, as always. How about moments of the week? Sam, what would you pick out 
from this action pack weekend? For me, the moment of the week, there's been a few big moments this weekend, hasn't there? But I think for me, the the moment of the week has to be one of the earliest moments of the week. The the Manu Sanchez 92nd minute winner for us as sooner against Dio Baikano. I mean, for all that it meant, I mean, it was the first game with 100% attendance. I mean, Athletic Love versus Alavis didn't have 100% on Friday because of the Basque Country's rules. So the first game with 100% attendance and at El Sadar, which is the new El Sadar, so to speak, after all the renovation works there. So for El Sadar, it's such a such a cathedral of football, such a cauldron of sound and noise to be packed full of Osasuna fans and then to get the win in that style, last gasp, diving header in, in the box. It was a fantastic moment to take in and, and to see the the passionate celebrations and, and the fans going crazy in the stands too. Always great to see. Yeah, for me, there's, there's a couple of contenders. We, we could, of course, mention Luis Suarez. We have spoken about that at length. So I'll go with a, a similar theme, actually. We've, we've spoken about the fans back in the stadiums, really passionate and players delivering for their fans. And I'm going to go with uh, Dario Benedetto, Pipa. His first goal for Elche in front of the home crowd in what was Fran Escribar's 150th game in charge of the club. And it was enough for the win and it's kept them unbeaten at home. So they've started the season with three draws at home. This was their first win in front of their own fans and uh, yeah it was a bit of a glamour signing for them in the summer of course we know the links with the agents but uh, uh, important player for them nonetheless and great for him to get off the mark and hopefully he can kickstart for Elche now so yeah that's my moment so thank you very much everyone for listening to the podcast uh, we'll be here over the international break as Spain attempts to win the Nations League title they've got it tough they're going up against the Italians in Italy um, but let's see what uh, the interesting squad from Luis Enrique can provide. So we'll be back with a podcast in the next couple of weeks when the action in La Liga returns. We've got plenty of European action coming up after that too as the group stages get to the business end and we'll see who can qualify and who won't. But for now, thank you very much to Sam, to Jeff and to Roman and to all of you listeners for tuning in. And we're going to end with Sam's moment of the week, Manu Sanchez, Scoring in the last minute at a packed El Sadar. Brasenac, a la izquierda. Allá va Cote en el centro. El balón de Chibi Ávila. No, no, no. El balón de Jaime Martín. El gol. Gol, 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 que baja directamente del barril de cobre marca Osasuna en el 46 de la segunda marca Manu Sánchez Osasuna 1 